Good evening, and happy Lord's Day. Contrary to what Mark said before Mass, I'm not asking you for money tonight. Um, however, God is. Um, but no, actually, it's funny because it, it's funny you mentioned the whole thing about asking for money because this whole concept of talents that we hear in the gospel, um, it, it's not what we think of when we think of the word talent. All right. Um, in fact, it, it, where we get our word for talent comes from the original meaning that we're seeing in the gospel passage today. So what on earth is going on? Um, just kind of big picture wise, uh, again, I mentioned the beginning of Mass. We're in the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. This is the last really kind of normal Sunday for a long time, the next few weeks. We're not going to go back into a Sunday of Ordinary Time uh, until after the New Year, uh, after the Christmas season. Um, this week is a week of Ordinary Time. Next week is also a week of Ordinary Time. But next Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, and so we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King before we start Advent the next Sunday. So two weeks from today, we're starting Advent, um, which I can't wait because that means 2020 is almost over. <laughs> um, hopefully that's something we can all give up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I, yeah, that, that deserves some applause for sure. What is that? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, look, we're almost done with 2020. Thanks be to God. Um, and so this is the last time you'll see us wearing green on a Sunday um, for a long time. But what's happening with the readings is as we're getting to the end of the lectionary cycle for this year, this is the end of year A for the Sunday readings. What happens at the end of every year of ordinary time is the readings tend to focus on the end times focusing on what happens when we die, uh, coming to grips with our mortality. That's why at the beginning of November, we celebrated All Saints Day and All Souls Day, kind of coming to grips with what happens when we die. And so the readings, as we get to the end of ordinary time, are focusing on the end and how do we prepare for the end. And so that's what we're hearing, especially in the second reading today and also in the gospel. Um, and so all these readings, Jesus is using these parables to explain what happens when the Master returns. And will we be ready when he returns? And so let's look at this concept of the talents. A talent in those days was a measure of money. All right? And we don't know exactly how much money. It uh, depends if it was a talent of gold or a talent of silver. Um, we can kind of just, for our purposes today, think of it as like 15 to 20 years worth of a salary. It's a lot of money. One talent is 15 to 20 years worth of a salary. All right? Um, so let's just say... Uh, let's talk about maybe like an average salary, uh, someone maybe with a four-year degree, as, as many of our students are aspiring to get here, uh, let's say maybe $50,000, all right? So 20 years worth of salary, that's a, that's a, that comes out to, if my math is correct, a million dollars. Each talent is worth a million dollars, all right? At least for our purposes. So the master gives the lowest servant one talent, gives him a million dollars that he's responsible for. The next one he gives two million, and the... the, the the, the first one he gives anything to, actually, he gives $5 million. This is a lot of money. This is crazy. This is a, a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and he entrusts it to them because he wants them to do something with it. He doesn't just want it to sit. If he wanted to just sit in a storage, he could have just locked it up somewhere. Why does he give it to his servants? He's asking them to exercise stewardship, to take something with what he's giving them and to do something with it, like to grow it. All right, this whole concept of growing these talents. Um, and so when we're looking at this, this, this concept of the money, um, the first one goes, he takes five talents and doubles it. I mean, think of that. So now not only does he have five million, he doubles it to ten. All right, the second one does the same thing. He starts off with two, he now has, um, what, four, four million. The last one, what's the last one do? This is the really important one we have to focus on. This last servant 
out of fear, he admits that. That out of fear, he buries that single talent. And it, it kind of, you know, Dr. Petrie would say, this reminds him almost of Genesis 2. We go back to the second chapter of Genesis. What does the servant do? The servant has this, this perception of his master, um, that his master is a thief. Like, look at what the servant says. Master, you reap where you do not sow. Like, are you kidding? You just insulted your master? Like, do you expect him to be nice to you because you just insulted him on his return? Like, come on. Like, that's just stupid. What's going on here? This is why Dr. Petrie says we have to look back at, like, the second chapter of Genesis. What do Adam and Eve do when they sin? They fall into that first sin. The first thing they do is their perception of God changes. Satan lies to them. He, he teaches them to see God as someone that they are not equal to. And he tells them, how does he tempt them to eat the fruit? That if you eat the fruit, you will be like God. Which they already were. They were made in his image and likeness. So what's happening there? He's telling them, in a sense, that they are not like God, which is a lie. And so he's getting them to try to reach for what is not theirs. So it distorts their perception, because what happens in Genesis 2? They fall, and God's walking through the garden, and they're hiding from him. They're afraid of him at this point. And so this servant does the same thing. He has this, this false perception of his master, who, guess what? Just gave him a million dollars, gave another one two million, and gave another one five. So if his master was really, really a thief, why would he give them that much money to be responsible over? You see, the master's generous. To give them 20 years' worth of salary in one talent, that's generosity. And so what's happening is that the, 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 this last servant has a warped perception of his master. Why? Because of fear, because of sin. And guess what? The sin he commits here, and we hear it in the readings, in some translations it says lazy, as we hear in the gospel today. Other translations it says, you slothful servant. Slothful. All right, that's one of the seven deadly sins. So what's he doing? It's sins of omission. All right, no, the servant didn't kill anybody. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal anything. But what did he do? Absolutely nothing. He buried the talent and did nothing with it. And so, like, what's the idea here? The idea with, and this is the twist in this parable, because I think I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago, when Jesus is using parables, there's always a twist. There's some, like, it's relatable, he uses relatable imagery, uh, but at the same time, there's something that's kind of off. There's an oddity. The oddity here is that the master is calling out the sin of omission. The fact that the servant didn't do anything with the talent. He squandered it. All right? And so it's, it's, it's the same thing for us. Like we're talking about the end times. We're talking about how do we get to heaven. What do we have to do? We can't just do nothing. All right? We can't just think of, to ourselves, like, well, I didn't kill anybody. If we're doing our examination of conscience and we're thinking about the things that we didn't do, I didn't kill anybody. Uh, I, I didn't commit adultery. Uh, I didn't steal anything. I've been honest and pay my taxes. Like, okay, great. But guess what? That's not enough to get to heaven. You can't just not kill anybody. I hear, I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I think I'm doing pretty well. I haven't killed anybody. Is that really like what, what like, we, are we setting the goal that low to say that, okay, I haven't killed anybody. I guess I'm good. No, not at all. No, we have to set the bar higher. We're called to be saints. We're called to the heights of virtue and the heights of holiness. And if we don't think we are, then we have to reevaluate, then what are we doing? What's the point of all this? Why are we here? if we think that we can just do nothing and get by on that. No, because what happens to the servant who does absolutely nothing? 
He gets thrown out to where there's wailing and grinding of teeth. He gets thrown out to where there's pain, people screaming in pain because they did not get to experience what the first one gets to experience and the second one, which is what the master says, enter the joy of your master. That's heaven. The master's God. He's saying, enter the joy of your Lord, enter the joy of, of heaven is what's going on here. Right? So we can't just stop and think about like, what, like, what's the minimum. If we get by on the minimum, it doesn't work. You know, just like in the military, you know, for my PT test for the Air Force, the minimum passing score in each individual uh, activity is 75%. You have to get at least 75% score to pass the individual section. But guess what? If you go for the absolute minimum in all four components, you fail the test because the scores, the way the scoring works, just getting 75% in the individual components does not add up to 75% for the total score. It's not averaging these things. And so the thing is, you have to excel in something. You have to excel. And so let's look at now our meaning of talents. When we think of a talent now, we get it from the sense, and in this gospel passage in particular, that something was given, something we're given responsibility of, something we're expected to use, and something we're expected to grow. Because guess what? I know for many of us, and I know we have some of our athletes in here, um, think of the things that you're talented in, things that you're good at. You know, I know for me personally, I feel more of myself and I feel like a better version of myself when I'm actually using my talents. I almost get irritable when I'm not using them. And guess what? The reason behind that is because I'm committing a sin of omission. It's because I'm not doing with the gift I've been given what I'm supposed to be doing with. And so we have to call that to mind and, and ask ourselves, first of all, what are my talents? What are the things that God has given to me that he's expecting me to use and expecting me to grow? And always squandering it. What are we doing with that talent? We have to first know what our talents are. And that's different from person to person. Because what happens at the end of the passage? It says to the one who, who has little and does nothing with it, it will be given to somebody else. It seems sometimes that we, we come in contact with people who are just super, super talented. Like there's nothing that they just can't do. It's like these people in some ways are reaping the benefits and spiritual fruits of the, of the ones who take their talents and do nothing with it. Everybody is capable of doing something with their talents. Everybody has talents to use. And so we have to make sure that we, first of all, again, know what that talent is or those talents. We might have more than one. It depends. God gives, again, we hear this in the reading, gives to each according to their ability. And the reason for that is because we are all called to holiness. We're all called to be saints. That's something for each and every one of us. Some of us are able to handle more. Some of us maybe not so much, but guess what? We're all called to holiness, and God gives us those talents and those gifts based on what we can do because he knows we can take it and we can grow it. And so the challenge for us this weekend and to reflect on is as we get to the end of, of this year, we get to the end of 2020, let's look back at this whole crazy year and look and ask ourselves, did I use my talents in a way I should have this year? There are plenty of opportunities. Plenty of opportunities in 2020 to think outside the box, as we say in the Air Force, to be creatively engaged, to think about how can I engage the people around me in quarantine, with social distancing, on Zoom conferences. And look, I mean, I feel like the church, we've been doing that, like live streaming masses. That's something that we had to pull out of our toolbox. The seminary didn't teach me that. Seminary can't teach you how to preach to an iPhone. Right? So the thing is, we had to use our talents, use our creativity, and come here and figure out how are we going to engage you guys during this pandemic. It's the same thing. Let's look back at 2020. Let's look back at this whole year and figure out what can I learn from 2020? What were my talents? How can I use them better in 2021? 
Because that's the only way we're going to progress, because we don't know when the end is going to be. We have to be prepared at all times. So again, what are our talents, and then how do we use them?